Lesser Light by Matthew Draper Chapter 12 If Christmas Eve Eve the 23rd of December, contains a diluted version of the magic and anticipation of Christmas Eve, then Boxing Day's Boxing Day, the 27th of December, contains an increased sense of the disappointment and its overness Boxing Day is made of. For a start, no one is clear on what day it is. Is it a weekend? Is it a normal weekday? Sometimes the extended bank holiday falls here, Sometimes we're expected to go back to our regular activities. The sugar high is dropping. You cannot be totally sure if you are hungry or tired or grumpy or just not in the mood. This was how I felt on the 27th of December. I was in an in-between space, a pause. In many ways, my life had felt on pause ever since the incident at St Michael's six years ago. After a major trauma, it can be hard to know where to go next. It feels absurd to go about your ordinary life, yet the rest of the world does not stop when you do. Bills still have to be paid, friends' birthdays have to be celebrated, food has to be made in order to survive, if, if not for enjoyment. After some months or years, you may begin to forget that you are only living to survive, and you form new patterns, find new things you enjoy, and create new memories. But other times, it can still feel like you are waiting. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. Christmas celebrations have come to a grating stop, but the promise of New Year is not quite here. In this way, I could understand, partly, the motivation for a request to Oscar's spirit to end it this year. From the same person who had sent me those financial files on St Michael's. Our history had been hanging above us for so many years without closure. I certainly did not appreciate their methods, but I had to agree with the card sender's message. It was time to settle it. If Lizzie was right about everything having been false, it was time for us to grow up. On the occasions I have tried to talk about my experiences with outsiders, non-cons, from my work or in the village, They've often given me an incomprehensive gaze and nodded along. Oh, I'm sure you were very much younger and naive back then. But faith has nothing to do with being young or old. I knew that having faith or believing in supernatural or unrealistic things had nothing to do with age or maturity. When we were part of St Michael's, our group had considered ourselves the youngsters because we were treated that way but also because Morgan and his circle of close leaders were in their fifties, while we were mostly late teens or early twenties. The congregation was made up of a range of ages. While about 60% were students or young adults, there was a middle group of families with young kids and a top row of what we called the grown-ups, who had professional jobs, lawyers, doctors, business owners, and among them, Morgan, the ringleader. If Morgan was the captain of the St. Michael's ship, then his number one, second in command, was a man called Dr. Barnabas. I recognise his name referenced a number of times in the financial documents as a 
consultant, and remembered he was taking a chunk of cash out of the church each year as a 9,500 payment towards his housing, invested into his own mortgage. Whether the good doctor bought into Morgan's faith theory about the angels, or whether he was brought in by Morgan's cash payments was unclear, but being a part of the organisation had nothing to do with being young or old, anyone could be taken in. I wondered if Dr Barnabas was the reason our medical files were stapled into the information packs held about myself and my friends, which Lizzie had copied for us. With a blush of pride, I remembered my file stamped with TB True Believer, and having been picked as a future leader. Morgan had seen something special within me, or he had seen someone with no connections who was easily manipulated. On Boxing Day's Boxing Day, Rocco had left me with scrumples at the house while he visited his mum's to put together a buffet. They were having extended family, yes, more, but their own aunts and uncles, not neighbours this time, for tea. I was planning to join them later, which gave me plenty of time to curl up on the sofa with scrumples and consider my past, present and future. If, as Lizzie proposed, the past was made up, the present, with all of its apprehension and the feeling one day we would all be pulled back into this craziness, wasn't real and isn't necessary. Like the Christmas card left at Oscar's grave suggested, we could end it this year and step with renewed purpose into the new. Lizzie's philosophy of our shared history did not acknowledge the source of our trauma, though. Oscar had died that night, and only we knew why. Or did we? Maybe there was more I could find out. Off you get, I told Scrumps, as I stretched to my feet, forcing the cat to hop off. They dashed away as soon as they landed, disappearing up the stairs. I checked the time on my phone. Rocco and his family were not expecting me to join them at the house till about five, so I had a couple of hours to enact my plan, going back to that place. I never thought I would, and yet here I was, 45 minutes later, getting out of the car Rocco and I shared when he didn't have his van over the holidays. I was parked on the road outside St Michael's in Sheffield. The place had not changed much, but the signage was different. Posters for their Christmas services had not been taken down yet, the imagery showing starlight streaming onto a stable scene, and instead of Mary, Joseph and the animals gathered around baby Jesus' crib, cartoon trees were bringing gifts in their boughs, trunks bowed or kneeling beside the manger. St Michael's is set back from the road, surrounded by ancient graves. The stone brick building doesn't extend a natural welcome, and yet it used to be a hive of activity. When we attended on a Sunday, the grounds were crowded with groups of friends and students chatting, laughing, and Dylan smoking outside before the service. This year, the grass had been left to grow tall, picked out around the edges with bamboo sticks and netting to stop people wandering off the path. A six-foot plastic printed banner suggested the church was intent on preserving wildlife and celebrating the bees with the slogan, God's world, let it be. Good for the environment as it may be, it was hard for me not to see all this as a new cynical, trendy brand instigated by an enigmatic leader. 
the netting, an entrapment for a new youth culture which cares about the earth more than heaven, who once drawn in would be bled dry of money, time, energy, and left with scars for years to come. Tall grass was bent from the rain and wind of winter, and clung damply around flat, historic gravestones. Under the netting, under the grass, was the unforgiving ground, where Oscar had been found dead in the early hours of the morning six years ago. I shuddered at the thought of him laying out there all night while the rest of us hurried home, shaken from our shared experience in the church hall. Returning brought with it an eerie feeling of the past on repeat. But I was here to secure our future. I pushed on up the path towards the tall front doors. On weekdays, the church is usually left open for locals to enter so they can spend time in prayer, or at least it was in our day. I had not considered what to do next if it was locked, but as I shook and rattled the wrought iron door handle, the door itself would not budge. Damn, locked. I peeked up at the creepy face of a carved gargoyle grimacing from above me. What are you looking at? I stuck out my tongue at the creature. Retreating to consider my options, I took in the whole looming building. A big square of old brick with slate roof and a short clock tower at the front. The left side of the building blended seamlessly into a modern concrete and glass extension filled with offices, an updated kitchen and new toilets. I remembered there were a few other entrances around the back, but those doors were protected with security keypad locks. Couldn't hurt to have a look. The back of the original church building contained a decorative arch which reached towards the roof, and beneath it a wide window of stained glass, depicting a pasty-faced white Jesus, along with two angels holding up his arms on the top of a mountain. One angel was St. Michael, after whom the church was named. This warrior angel was referred to in the Christian Bible from time to time, and in mythology most commonly linked to the planet Mars another warrior. The other angel, or archangel, was Gabriel, a fearsome creature around whom Morgan had based his entire brand of theology. I remembered Morgan's first sermon about Gabriel, who was described as being mystically linked with the moon. Who do you think is being spoken about in those opening verses from Genesis when God establishes the order of the universe? For he created a greater light to rule the day, and a lesser light to rule the night. Jesus is that great light, like the sun, too bright to approach, too holy for human contact. And Gabriel is the lesser light, made only a little higher than mankind. As it says in Psalm 8, he has made you a little lower than the angels. This angelic light of the night is ours to grasp in our reach. Have we sent a man to the moon? Can we not carry it with us into the day? Everybody, put your hands in the air and reach for the light. But now, Gabriel's entire stained glass face was missing from the artwork. Something, someone, had shattered the glass from his neck up. A halo remained above shards of jagged coloured glass which staggered outward from the missing piece where his cherubic face had once shone not unlike the creature itself, whose eyes were empty holes dragging you in. No features, wings creaking wide, dust raining down, 
my hands trembled. I crouched, pressing my palms against the pebbles of the path, feeling each round rock and the sharp edges against my skin. I was here! I was now! I was not back in that moment facing him again. I felt the presence of my thick coat around my shoulders, the wool of my scarf, the tightness of a bobble hat. The church wall fell back into focus as I stood up, feeling a little dizzy. It occurred to me, the window must have been broken only recently. Someone had smashed Gabriel out of it. The window had not been fixed or patched with plastic screening. Surely the Christmas committee would not have left the broken window for all to see at the service only two days ago. Enough about windows. I was looking for a door. The furthest part of the newer element of the building had an entrance with a keypad lock and CCTV. Morgan had always said everything here belonged to all of us. The building, the offerings, were the property of the whole family of God. Realistically, none of us had the deeds, though. Only he did. As volunteers, we would come and go on various tasks and to numerous meetings, so each of us had access to the building via the keypad. What was the code back then? Angel, A-N-G-E-L, 26435. I tried this combination and pressed X. A single red light indicated the code was wrong. Not angel, I muttered to myself. The church had rebranded since those days. I knew from occasionally tuning into sermons live streamed on YouTube, Morgan did not refer to the lesser light that ruled the night any more. He was trying to keep his congregation fully grounded in reality. His new brand focused on an earth-based theology. I tried the numbers for Earth, E-A-R-T-H, red flash, twice this time. Something egotistical, perhaps, M-O-R-G-A-N, three red flashes. I had a feeling any more incorrect guesses might result in my being locked out for good. I walked back around to the front of the church, where I had a burst of inspiration. Sprinting back, I input two, three, three, seven. Green light, click. The door opened for the bees. Lesser Light is an online event. Head to lesserlight.blog to join in the comments section or share this story on Facebook, Twitter, Hive or your favourite social media platform. The Lesser Light paperback is available from lulu.com or other booksellers or you can download the ebook now. But remember, no spoilers until New Year's Day. The story is fictional, but if the elements about trauma, cults or recovery have affected you, you can find helplines at lesserlight.blog.